KCL or live. With thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state of the art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Yes, good morning and welcome along to today's show, Friday the 15th of September, one of the uh, wettest days we've had in a while. If you're out on the roads, do be careful. And uh, we'll be joined by Policing It Roads Inspector Paul Donahue a little bit later on the show to give us a reminder about how to act out on the roads and also to tell us about some closures coming this weekend ahead of the largest number of Lamborghinis ever in Ireland in one place coming to Kilkenny City this weekend as part of that cannonball run that will be finishing its lap of Ireland on Sunday. In a couple of moments' time, I'll be speaking to Councillor Joe Lyons as we look back and forward, I suppose, at the Fianna Gael old and new. He'll be joining us in just a couple of moments' time. Our text and WhatsApp lines are open 0833069696 is that dinner's ready text line. And you can free phone us 1890. 9696. Email the show KCLR Live at KCLR96FM.com. Well, are you looking forward to it? And if you're asking me what, I'm talking, of course, about the Late Late Show returning this evening. Only 90 minutes long. They've chopped it down. So they've got a shorter length of show. And probably in line with many cuts that we'll see up in RT over the next couple of weeks and months ahead. But a new presenter in the hot seat, Patrick Hilty. I'm sure nerves will be building ahead of that show. Will you be watching? Can you be uh, bothered? Let me know. 083 306 Do you still long for the days of Gay Byrne or maybe wish that Pat Kenny or indeed Ryan Tuberty were still in the seats? Will you be tuning in this evening? Yes, I think it's it's normal sort of time. 9.35 until just after 11 o'clock. But the Late Late Show returns. Um, and some positive news, I suppose, coming out of Montrose. Now, we said we would be talking Fianna Gael old and new. And uh, Councillor Joe Lyons is joining us this morning because the former councillors Tommy Marr and indeed Louise Tyrrell were honoured for their lifelong membership of the Fianna Gael party at an event in Kios of Callan um, just recently. And joining me, as I said, is Councillor Joe Lyons. Good morning, Joe. Morning, Brian. How are you? Listen, thanks for taking the time to talk to us this uh, wet and miserable Friday morning. Um, but Fianna Gael, as a party, obviously one of the long, long-standing parties of our state. Not surprisingly, it has a lot of long-serving members. Tell me about Tommy Marr and Louise Tyrrell and the service they've given. Yeah, Tommy, Tommy, an ex-councillor, former councillor, and it's Louis, Louis Tyrrell from Ballylurkin. Louis wasn't a councillor now, but he was a huge activist in Fianna Gael. And he was a lifetime member of Callum Branch, as was Tommy. So, like, we're a great country at um, honouring people when they're dead. So we decided to honour people when they're alive. Absolutely. And both Tommy and Louis have great health. And we decided to get together, Callum Branch, and we asked Phil Hogan to do the honours the other night in Kyo's bar down on Mill Street in Callan. And we had a lovely crowd. We had the same night we had our AGM in Callan, in Callum Paratall. And unknowns to Tommy and Louis, we 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 went down to Kyo's Bar, where there was a lovely crowd of family, friends, and ex-councillors, former councillors. Uh, we had the Cahirlock of Kilkenny County Council. We had um, Phil, Phil himself, Phil Hogan, and we had a lovely night there. Great gathering. So we had a apartment from um, Taoiseach Leo Varadkar. And we, um, we, we, Phil presented that to them, and he gave a great talk to both for their commitment to Fianna Gael to the party. 
And tell me about Tommy and Louis as people. I mean, you've obviously known them a long time. Um, give me a flavour as to the type of causes that they would have championed over their years. Mm, well, Tommy, Tommy and Louis, they live in nearly the one area, one in Broadmoor and the other in Ballylarkin. Uh, both are farmers. Uh, Louis would have been, would have been in Fine Gael since he was 16 years of age. Uh, he celebrated his 90th birthday recently and he's in Terrific Farm, Flying Farm, still driving and his, his health is really good. He um, he has done a huge amount of canvassing over the years and worked for every general election, every locals. He's been out there knocking on doors and he has been given a huge commitment to the party. And down the road then, Tommy, who was uh, he joined Kilkenny County Council in 1973 up to 2014, which is a long stint and he has worked hard in, in the whole area. Well, over the years, the areas have changed, but Tommy stayed with it anyway, and he was re-elected every time. He was uh, he has put in huge work and huge commitment to the whole area, and he'd be a very popular man there. And like both of them, they're enjoying their retirement, so they were delighted the other night with the, when they were honoured, and like with the, with the great turnout for them as well, it was really good there down in Kios. And moving on to the future of the party, we also understand that Damien Donoghue um, has been asked by the party to consider stepping forward for the local elections in the Pilltown constituency. Um, has Damien accepted that uh, that request yet? Have we got confirmation on that? Yeah, well, I can't say that now, but I'm sure he will. And I'd like to wish him the best of luck next June when the, when the locals, when, the, when they're up and running. And like, it's great to see new candidates coming forward as well. And like I'd like to pay tribute to like we we were going to lose Patrick O'Neill, who would have been the the mid area of ours, and Patrick has been two stints in it, and you know obviously no John Paul would be gone again in the next general election, and right across the country there are people falling aside and for different reasons or whatever, and like I'd, I'd like to wish Damien the best on on his um, selection last night and run next next year. Well, as you said, it's it's nice to mark people's work while they're still with us, um, marking the hours and we days and weeks and years of effort put in by Tommy Marr and Louis Tyrrell, uh, Councillor Joe Lyons. Thank you very much for joining us this morning, and uh, we'll keep you abreast of the situation. Um, will Damien Dunn, who accept that nomination, that we understand he has, and that he's going to stand in the next local election in the Pilltown constituency? It's twelve minutes past ten o'clock. Time to take a little bit of music and um, picture this with Addicted to You. Well, I don't really know what you want But I hope it's me, am I right? Or am I wrong? No, I'm so addicted to you Yes, picture this with Addicted to You this uh, Friday morning. I mentioned the Late Late Show returning um, this evening and Mark was on to me. Good morning, Mark. He was uh, talking and commenting on uh, RT News getting slightly something not quite right because there were stories floating around over the last couple of days that there had been a meteor strike on a Port Marnock beach up in Dublin. Yes, uh, reporters were sent out. They photographed and took video shots of this uh, meteor crater and they even had the supposed meteor in hand. Well, 
if you spotted that story, surprise, surprise, it turns out it's uh, not true. It turns out the, the hole was dug by a couple of guys who were up on Port Marnock Beach the day before having some fun. And I don't know whether they placed the stone in the middle of the uh, crater, shall we call it, to create the sense of it being a meteor strike. But either way, no, we weren't hit by a meteor shower. Mark, you're dead right. Thanks for letting me know and confirming that to me. Um, don't worry, you don't need to hide under the covers. The only thing you need to be careful about landing on your head today is that rain and Marion Dal- Dalton. Uh, good morning, Marion. She's saying that Brian that the farmers are standing in the downpour in Limerick this morning at the Fina Gale, thinking farmers are very angry at the decisions being made by the government in regard to farmers' livelihood. And um, thanks for that text message this morning. And Marion, just so you're aware, uh, our Friday panel today includes Matt O'Keefe, our very own Matt O'Keefe of Casey Lord's Farm Show. So I'm sure um, those farming discussions around nitrates and derogations and all the other challenges facing farmers about getting paid will be discussed on today's Friday panel. And we're also joined by former uh, Carlo Chamber of Commerce Chair um, Colin Duggan, President, sorry, former President, I should say, of the Carlo Chamber of Commerce, Colin Duggan. Many of you will know him, of course, from the Woodford Dolman Hotel. That is today's Friday panel coming your way at around about 25 past 11. Now, about a year ago, um, when I was sitting in this chair, I spoke to Louise Moran. Um, she was just having returned from living in Australia with her then eight-year-old autistic son, Ushin. Um, she'd come back to be with her family, but she was seriously concerned about the level of service available uh, to families with autistic children. And she joined us now on the show to see, now that she's been back for over a year, have things changed? Were her fears um, alleviated or have they been uh, confirmed? Louise, good morning to you. Good morning, Brian. How are you? First of all, great to have you on. I can't believe it's a year since we last spoke. <laughs> I know, a very fast year as well. You've been busy, haven't you? Extremely. <laughs> How many members have we got in the family now? We've got three. We've a new addition, five-week-old L. Five week old L. Well, congratulations. Have yeah. you enjoyed being back in the bosom of your family? Because I know that was one of the main motivations for you returning from Australia. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's great to be around family, especially our other son Parker was born in Australia. So it's lovely to have Elle in Ireland and everyone to see her and, you know, meet her when she was a newborn. It's been great. And was Ushin born here in Ireland? He went to Australia or was he also an Australian born child? No, he can't. We moved back to Ireland to have Oisin, and then moved back to Australia when he was six months. So you've got uh, two Irish children and one Australian, and one Aussie. <laughs> well, listen, yeah. At the time, I mean, when we spoke, you were talking in glowing terms about the access to service that you had for Oisin in Australia, and you were really concerned yeah. about what you found when you first came back to Ireland. Um, have you continued to be frustrated by the access to service uh, for Oisin? Oh, absolutely. Um, Oshin still hasn't had any services at all. Um, he's had one appointment with his OT and I haven't been able to get him back in with the OT since that's a private OT. Um, and that's what so appointment I know in our GP. Yeah, he has he hasn't had any any services at all in 12 months and that's I mean public or private. It's I mean a lot of the I know speech and language in particular. Um, a lot of the private speech and language therapists, their um, waiting lists are closed at the minute because the backlog is so 
huge for kids waiting for speech and language. And how's that lack of services for Oshin affected him? I hope he's doing well, but I mean, you know, they they need assistance, um, they need help. Yeah, I, I think we use a lot of the tools that we were taught in Australia still. Um, I know we've contacted the Autism Association on multiple occasions to help us out with different scenarios, and they have. Um, he, I mean, he's doing as well as we'd hoped he would, and I mean, his school have been amazing. They've been very helpful in his SNA. Um, we're just trying to do the best we can with the tools that we've already learned and trying to pass that on to other, you know, families that we've met along the way um, through Autism Heroes. So um, it's been it's been difficult, but you know, we do try our best. And do you think had you not been in Australia for that those number of years and actually picked up those skills that you mentioned as a family, as a parent yourself, uh, it, it would have been a lot harder, I presume, to help Oshin through this last 12 months without that prior experience? Absolutely. I mean, I would ever of what Oshin would need um, in terms of service. I mean, I had no clue. I didn't even pick up that he may need... Um, an assessment for autism at the time so my knowledge very very small I mean I'm still learning every day of the week um, about autism and you know trying to upskill for his sake as well yeah, yeah, it's constantly you learning to deal with it as well. I'm talking to Louise Morin, um, who I spoke to last year. She returned from Australia after a number of years and was uh, appalled, I think it's fair to say, uh, Louise, about the access to service yeah. that she had for her son, Ushin. Uh, Louise, are you, are you okay to stay on the line for a moment? Because I want to talk about what you're yeah. doing at the moment and how you're moving forward. We're going to sh- take a short break and we'll continue uh, the conversation with Louise in just a moment. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie KCL KC, KCLR Yes, you're very welcome back to KCLR this morning. It's 24 minutes past 10 o'clock. Just before the break, we were talking to Louise Moore and she uh, returned to Ireland after a number of years living in Australia with her, her autistic son, Ushin. She got great service, great help, great information and knowledge while in Australia and found that since she's returned to Ireland around about 12 months ago, um, Ushin has only had one appointment to continue um, his treatment and his development. Louise, as I said, always thanks for joining us. Um, um, what's the plan now going forward with Oshin? You talked about how he's only had one appointment in the last 12 months. Are there any others scheduled? Um, no, not at all. Um, but I have started a group called Autism Heroes and we've had a really busy... Since since actually I spoke to you last, um, we've been trying to get groups together. Um, I have a committee put together now um, we've been to Leinster House and had um, a meeting with the Minister for Disabilities and you know we're trying to I suppose put a plan together that's similar to Australia and what we've learned over there to try and help families in Ireland um, it's just been you know as I say the only way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time so it's a slow process but um, we're, we're definitely getting there um, and we just need to keep working at it and keep chipping away and hopefully we'll be able to give you know the services that these kids need eventually um, and that is goal for autism heroes um, so yeah that's, that's our, our big goal at the minute 
And since you set up Autism Heroes, uh, what type of stories have you been hearing from other parents? I mean, heartbreaking is the only way I can describe it. Um, We've parents reaching out pretty much on a weekly basis now, um, just explaining how hard it's been. You know, some parents have just, have been at such, you know, desperate measures. They've protested and some parents have turned up to A&E trying to get help for their kids that, you know, are very hard to regulate and, you know, becoming violent and trying to protect their other children. And I know other families, one family in particular sticks out there, little girl was pre-verbal, had no diagnosis. Um, she was nearly five. And I ran around the country for them trying to find anywhere that they could get even in for an assessment. Um, so I eventually found somewhere um, but in turn couldn't help afterwards with any follow up in terms of speech and language or occupational therapy or anything like I mean I know in Carlo alone um, they're only processing referrals now from 2017 Wow from what's six, six years ago now at this stage I mean yeah. were you surprised by the recent CAMS figures that suggested that the area that we're part of here oh. Kenny Carlo North Tip and other areas besides um, was that shocking to you or was it a surprise at all? I suppose I mean from the stories I've heard in the last year no I'm I'm not surprised at all, and I I do believe that, um, you know there'll be an epidemic for mental health parents of these kids because they're at breaking point, you know, due to the lack of services, and, I mean, if the kids, you know, if the kids are struggling, the parents are struggling, who, you know, somebody needs to be okay, and there's nobody okay in these situations. Mm-hmm. Families are at breaking point where they've had to separate. You know, one, the dad has to go somewhere with their kids, and the mom has to go somewhere else with the other kids because they can't coexist because, you know, the ki- kids are so overstimulated, and you know they're not having any therapy whatsoever. Um, and that's a that's a you know, that's thousands and thousands of families that are going through the same thing and from what I'm learning on you know like I said on a daily and weekly basis from other families it's just getting worse mm. Well, I there's mean, been no let up at all the only thing that's sort of going from strength to strength in that area is organisations and, and groups like Autism Heroes you have a support group yeah. coming up um, in the Talbot Hotel do. tell us about that um, it's the first support group that we're ha- what we're doing um from Autism Heroes, so it's family members and, you know, parents, carers, or guardians of one with autism. Um, they're more than welcome to come. It'll be at 10 o'clock on Monday morning in the Talbot in Carlo. So I'm very excited to meet um, as many families and get together and, you know, try and just, I think the understanding that sometimes it can be quite isolating um, and you think that you're on your own a lot of the time, but to know that somebody else is in the same position yeah. and to give tips that, you know, tools that they've used that, you know, somebody else mightn't heard of or, you know, just sharing stories, I think, and just to, to relieve some of that pressure. 
Okay, well, um, and just, to know that you're not alone. As you said, it's in the Tub Hotel Carlo Monday the 18th um, at 10 a.m. Yes. That's next uh, next coming Monday actually. Um, Autism Heroes. If people wanted to make contact with you, Louise, have you got Facebook pages or uh, a yeah. website or anything like that set up? We have our website is currently being put together. We have a Facebook um, page. It's Autism Heroes. We've got a support group page. That's a more private page. Um, that's the Autism Heroes support group. And we have an Instagram page. It's Autism Heroes IRE. Well, Louise Moran, um, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us again uh, this year, 12 months after you first arrived back to Ireland. But I'm sad to see um, that in that 12 months, Oshin has only had one appointment with a, a qualified practitioner. Thanks again for joining us. Louise Moran there. And again, just to remind you, if you are interested in popping along to that support group meeting, the Talbot Hotel in Carlo, Monday the 18th at 10 a.m. And if you do a search on Facebook for Autism Heroes, you'll find all the information to be able to reach out to Louise and the rest of the group there. It's just gone half past ten. In a couple of moments' time, we'll be talking River Detective programs. Yes, Professor Ken Whelan, um, who's running that River Detective program as part of the Waterways College Autumn Series, will be joining us to tell us more. But now, time on a Friday for a piece of music from Bruno Mars. This is called Locked Out of Heaven. Mars there, locked out of heaven this Friday morning on KCLR. Stay with us because after the break I'll be talking to Professor Ken Whelan who's running a number of river detective programmes. I've no idea what a river detective programme is. That's why Ken's here. Stay tuned. KCLR Live with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card. The perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie Kilkenny, Carlo, KCLR. You're very welcome back to the show this morning. It's uh, coming up on 20 minutes to 11 o'clock. And we've got a text message in asking if we can wish Layla a very happy birthday with lots of love from her nanny. She's a big six today. Very happy birthday to you, Layla. Your your nanny has been on to wish you a very happy birthday. And everybody here at KCLR does the same. Have a great day. Six is a really big number. Probably just started school recently as well. So I hope that's all going to plan. And if you're out and about on the roads or you're seeing you know areas of flooding because it's definitely happening if it hasn't happened already it'll be happening soon enough with the rain falling the way it is let us know 083 306 9696 is our dinners ready text and whatsapp line it's always helpful to pass that information on to others now professor ken whelan uh, will be joining us in a moment he's he's running a number of river detective programs as part of the waterways ireland college autumn series and um, he's the ucd school of Biology and Environmental Science, and he's joining us now to tell us all about it. Good morning, Professor. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Well, delighted to have you on, first of all. Um, give us a little bit of an insight as to where this programme idea came from and what it entails. Well, um, from my point of view, it's part of a series called The Freshwater Detective that I've been running now for about 10, 10 years. And you were saying a little earlier there, I mean, why, why detective? Well, the whole idea is to try and let individuals and communities indeed to pick up on uh, the clues that actually tell them about the health and welfare of their local stream, river or loch. And we have huge numbers of people around the country now who are becoming more and more aware of their local water resources, of the water coming out of their tap, the water that feeds their animals. And people are getting really interested as to how does a river work? How does a stream work? How do I know if my stream is in good health? 
So the idea is to join forces now with the wonderful innovative college down in Grey Manor and to basically bring people with us in terms of teaching them about the hidden but very exciting world that's in their streams and rivers. And this series is open to people from all parts of community farmers, volunteer community interest groups, general citizens and even other scientists should they want to pop along. Um, What type of information will people be able to gather and learn as part of this series? Well, just interestingly, uh, obviously we're going through a very, again, a very wet day today. So, for example, questions I'm often asked, what happens to everything when the rivers get flooded? Or what happens to everything when the rivers get really low and there's a massive great drought? So what we'll be able to do is we'll be able to show them key uh, invertebrates in particular, key little insects in the river that are the most fantastic river monitors. They don't cost us anything. They're there 24-7. And if you know how to identify them, which is very simple, you can see very quickly how well your local river or stream is doing and whether or not the floods or the droughts has actually affected the river. And you mentioned their uh, um, farmers and we're finding an increasing interest uh, amongst uh, farmers and people dealing with forestry because of the new uh, agri uh, support schemes that are in place now that are basically they're, they're driven really by results so people really need a, a very quick and easy way of assessing whether or not they're improving the water quality or maintaining the water quality next to their land so this course is ideal for those sort of groups as well it's a key topic of conversation at the moment with the um, nitrate levels and derogation levels so that the farmers are um, facing challenges with. What's your take on how the farming community is doing in terms of its responsibility to our water quality? I think, there's, I think there are real challenges. I, I'm very heartened uh, to see now that um, there is an increasing awareness that in reality putting a huge amount of pressure on our land does definitely lead to a situation where we get a very difficult problem and that problem is what we call uh, dispersed pollution. So it isn't that any particular one farm as such might be causing a problem because most of them at this stage have really uh, put a big effort in and making sure that they're not but collectively if there's a lot of nutrients going on the land it's exactly the same as having maybe six gardens all of those gardens, the nutrients from those gardens is going into one single pipe. Well, obviously, it's going to be a lot more significant than any one of the gardens. And it's a matter of teaching people how to actually assess, as I say, uh, what effect that's having on the stream. And really, we hear an awful lot, and particularly people on the land and people dealing, as I said earlier, with forestry, hear a lot about phosphorus levels and nitrogen levels and ammonia and so on. All sounds very complicated and very scientific. But really, Our little uh, course will teach people how to go down, lift a few stones and look for some indicator species that absolutely disappear in no time if the problems arise and come back again if the problems are solved. So it's actually relatively easy to see how well you're doing. But also we'll teach them as well how to look after the riverbanks and how to look after the vegetation on the riverbanks. Because with climate change, the rivers that we know are getting warmer. So how do we put in shade without actually affecting the overall productivity of the streams? And what's a natural stream look like? And how do we actually win back those structures that were damaged in the past by drainage? So lots and lots and lots to talk about. And Professor Whelan, have you seen a positive or a negative change in our water quality and the environment around our waterways over the last 10 years? Well, I have to be very honest and say, because I was, I was privileged to actually uh, give a talk at the, Biodiver- at the Biodiversity uh, the Citizens' Assembly uh, some months ago. And I made the point at the Citizens' Assembly on biodiversity loss 
that since 2015, myself and friends have seen a very, very definite drop in terms of the overall quality of, of, uh, of our waters. And that was that was very uh, surprising because up to that, there was definitely a very strong level of improvement. And uh, we are fighting hard now to try and regain that. We're in a situation where the really serious pollution of the past has been largely eliminated. But what were, were our beautiful, pristine streams? They're becoming slowly degraded. Uh, and what we're trying to do now in conjunction with our friends in what, what are, what's called LawPro, the Waters and Communities Group, that are doing a fabulous job around the country, is to designate blue dots, little blue dots around the country that designate the absolute top quality water that we used to have in the past and where that exists now. And if anyone wants to have a look at catchments.ie, beautiful map there showing the blue dots. And I think everybody should be aiming to have a blue dot in their town or village. How are we doing with those blue dots around Kilkenny and Carlow? Um, I think the blue dots along the east coast in general and the southeast, I'm afraid they're fairly scarce. So in reality, we have quite a job of work to do. I was uh, working quite recently up around uh, the River Slate and maybe a little bit south of that. And I did find some quite serious problems on some of the tiny streams. And uh, certainly there are problems that can be solved, but we need to work collectively in order to do that. And as I say, the biggest issue is the issue of uh, the cumulative effect, the overall effect. So we need to band together in well-intentioned groups and try and get to uh, try and get to grips with this as soon as we possibly can. And the uh, most upcoming, most recent um, uh, versions of this have obviously been done. You've gone back ten years, but um, if people want to get involved in it next coming to their area, I see also that you can organise bespoke um, courses, if you like, for for groups that might want to attend. What's the best way for people to either enrol or to get in contact with you directly about organising a specific group? So certainly, in terms of um, in, in terms of going through the college. It's very simple. It's just an email to info at waterwayscollege.ie. And I think that's the easiest thing. Make a start there. And certainly through the college then, we can uh, direct people uh, to various support groups. I mentioned LawPro, which I think are doing an absolutely fantastic job, as is the EPA, Inland Fisheries Ireland. Everyone binding forces now to really help people to solve these problems. We're not looking to persecute people or to make things difficult. We're trying to solve problems. And certainly through the college, that will open the doors then in terms of funding and in terms of advice. And I know the college is very different, is very uh, keen rather to do different programs that will actually help people with particular problems. For example, very simple things can really help. I'll give you one example, again, going back to the rain today. What I found going around the country is that um, well-intentioned people that put up new houses and so on, very often the surface water from their roofs actually goes into the same holding receptacle as uh, their uh, as their sewage. So in reality, what you get from the septic tank then is a continuous overflow and a leakage into the local stream. And they may not even know that. And is so that, is that practice not illegal, uh, Professor Whelan? Yeah, well, it's not, this isn't done intentionally. Uh, yes, it is in the sense that people are, are obviously obliged to keep their septic tank clean. But this is often done inadvertently where people take over an old house or something and just re reconstitute the house without actually thinking about where the water is going. But these are simple things, but collectively they can cause quite a problem. So these are the sort of things that we'd be hoping to let people know about and to say to them, look, go out and check. And if you check, you can actually reduce the overall impact on the tiny little stream at the bottom of your land.
Well, Professor Ken Whelan, it sounds like there's still a lot more work to be done. But as you said, if people did want to get in contact, they can get in contact by emailing info at waterwayscollege.ie. Professor Ken Whelan, thank you very much for your time this morning. Uh, we're going to take a short break, after which we'll have some music from Pink. And I'll be telling you a very, about a very special edition of the uh, Saturday show with Edward Hayden. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state of the art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Bill Kenny, Carlo, ECLR. Yes, you're very welcome back. Well, Saturday morning, you're all very well aware of the fact that our own Edward Hayden is on air with you every Saturday morning from 10. Well, he won't be on his own this Saturday. No, 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 because. Eddie, as they've been calling him on the promo, so I hope Edward is okay with them calling him Eddie, is going to be joined by Brezzy for a very special edition of the Saturday show this week. You'll be able to hear them both on air from uh, 10 a.m. this Saturday morning. Um, do tune in, and they're going to co-host the show together. They'll be joined by hurling legend Paul Murphy, stylist Faith Armand, um, psychotherapist Mags Bowen, counsellor Mary Hilda and queen of the ploughing Anna May McHugh will all be on the show with Eddie and Brezzy on Saturday morning Um, and of course we're all heading off to the ploughing on Tuesday of next week Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday we will be there live on stand 555 so do come and visit it I'm joined on the show now though uh, by Roads Policing Inspector Paul Dunham because ahead of a very busy weekend there'll be lots of road closures with the largest number of Lamborghinis ever coming to one place in Ireland. The Cannonball Run visits Kills Kenny City. It's going to lead to road closures and hopefully plenty of fun as well. Uh, good morning, Paul. Thanks for your time this morning. Good morning, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Are you looking forward to the Cannonball Run coming to visit the city? I'm sure it's going to be a very busy time for you. We are, Brian. Yeah, look, at it's a, it's a, look, it is a big event. They, they were in Kilkenny a number of years ago before and they brought them up to the castle, so it is a, it's a great spectacle. It's great for kids uh, to see and, and even <coughs> even adults our own age, Brian, uh, who like fancy cars. It's not <laughs> too often you get to see them. No, you know what I mean? So <clears throat> it's a boys' ties day, uh, big time. Um, but yeah, so look, there is going to be road closures in Kilkenny City for the Cannonball Run entering. So... Um, the, uh, just so listeners know the kind of the route really basically is um, there will be road closures on the parade up to the top of the Castle Road at Nuncio Road Junction so that road will be closed from 4pm till 8pm um, and what's going to happen then is there's, they're saying about 250 vehicles in the Cannonball per, uh, group you know so that's what there is um, and if people want to come and see them they'll be meeting up with, say, out suburban Kilkenny, but they'll be coming through the city. So they're coming in, we'll say, in the Dublin Road and turning left down John Street um, and down John Street and down Rose Inn Street and left at the parade and then up. And what's going to happen, Brian, is about 40 vehicles are going to park on the parade. You know, so basically for people know where all the buses usually park outside the castle yeah. on the castle road. That road is going to be closed and we're going to have vehicles pulling in uh, and parking on both sides of the road. Um, so then and they'll get out of the vehicles and then people will have all the time in the world to walk around the vehicles and sit in them and see them and speak to the drivers and that's a great event but if you want to see all the vehicles anywhere on John Street 
Roseanne Street, the parade, or up along the parade, it's probably probably one of the best viewing points there where it's safe for kids in the pedestrian area. Um, all the cars will drive through that route. Not all the cars are staying because we don't have the we don't have the space really for them, and then some vehicles are going home after their after the whole event. So, but there will be a, a lot of them staying um, uh, for the public. So it's going to be a really busy day, but a great day, and hopefully the weather is good. Um, but it is a really big spectacle to see some of these vehicles and they're going to be head turning for sure I mean but they're also not going to come into Kilkenny and just sort of teleport in they're going to drive in and I presume you'd be encouraging people that may see them on the roads to still be conscious of the fact that they're driving a vehicle themselves absolutely yeah no they were they will be driving in convoy through the, in the Dublin road you know which would be marshalled by Gardaí uh, we'd ask people you know to the idea is that spectators would stay on the side of the road and watch the vehicles um, obviously there won't be anyone allowed in, in a vehicle to join in on the parade it'll be sterile in that point of view you know so if you have your own car you won't be able to join in on the parade or squeeze into the traffic of the 250 vehicles so there'll be guardy covering up pints but they will come in in a convoy in a parade fashion down, nice and slowly down through the city where people get a good look at the vehicles um, and then a certain percentage they're saying 40 50 vehicles will will park up and they'll select those 40 or 50 vehicles that will park up on the parade and allow people then to walk around them and and i think the last time they came kids were able to sit in them and some some people that own these vehicles let people sit in them and you know it's a great opportunity for photographs and uh, to see all these cars and be a few costumes and different things and themes and that so it's a really it's a real family event and it's a you know it's a really good event you know what i mean so we were welcoming to kenny and hope it goes well and all we need now brian is the weather and when you posted the roasters up in the station um, were they all gathered around the board to see who was on that day and whether they were actually going to yeah. get a chance to have a little uh, look themselves <laughs> we would have yeah look at everyone is interested look at as you say the most Lamborghinis people love to see these cars they're valuable cars and we don't see them around this in Ireland that much you know so it's a great opportunity to see some of these cars you know and there's every type of car that'll be there and um, yeah look at it, looking forward to it and most of the guards are looking forward to it we just want to keep people safe uh, and make sure people enjoy the day because there'll be a lot of children around uh, and the kids will love it, you know what I mean? So we're expecting big crowds, Brian. They're, they're expecting a couple of thousand people will come and look at these vehicles, so it'll be a busy day around the parade on Sunday. And just finally on the Cannonball Run, regular listeners will very much know our own Garda Andy Neil from the Community Assist Announcements here on the station. Um, how excited is Garda Neil because he's a big car fan? Oh, yeah, look at... And is, is the biggest child that it comes to when it comes to cars. That's his. That's his thing. Uh, he just loves cars. So yeah, he'll be probably telling everyone he knows everything about all of them and uh, full of knowledge of all these vehicles. You know, but uh, yeah, he'll be he'll be going around taking some great pictures and you know, and, you know, he get into the spirit of it like uh, like he always does. No, uh, but a great character and and great when you know the kids love him. You know, he he gets down to their level and just has great crack with all the children so yeah don't be surprised if you see Andy's phone stuck taking pictures of you <laughs> you'll find it on our Facebook page very fast <laughs> no I'm looking forward to it but I mean on a, on a more serious now obviously very very difficult driving conditions out there today and I think at least for the rest of the day yes absolutely no look at the weather is shocking today and uh, through the night and not a lot of rain a lot of such rain and <clears throat> so just ask people to be careful on the roads uh, we also have an event there, Brian, just quickly. We have the Medieval Mile Marathon on Saturday in Kilkenny. So just so people know that that's going on in Kilkenny as well. So there is, uh, there's a full marathon on, on Saturday. Uh, there's a 30k race. There's a half a marathon and a 10k race. And they're all happening in Kilkenny on Saturday. So we have a really busy weekend. 
So there will be a bit of disruption to traffic on Saturday also with regards to the, the, the races, the marathons and the half marathons. But we don't expect it to be. Uh, it's very well designed, these runs. They're, most of them are running with traffic and turning that they're not. There's only probably three or four pinch points where they'll be crossing the road. But there will be road marshals on Saturday allowing the runners to cross the road and then let the flow of traffic. So uh, minimal disruptions uh, usually for the medieval marathon. But another great event. And, uh, you know, there'll be 800 to 1,100 participants in Kilkenny on Saturday for that run as well. So, yeah. look, we have a busy weekend in Kilkenny. And, you know, so... Hopefully everyone will enjoy the weekend. It'll be great if tourists will get a great run for their money now in Kilkenny over the weekend because there's a lot going on. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, there's a little bit of a playoff, obviously, with the traffic management stuff. But I think, generally speaking, the people of Kilkenny are delighted to see events like that coming in. Um, I hope you're going to give me a negative answer to this following question, but no major incidents reported anywhere this morning, even given the, red, the driving conditions. No, thank God. Look, I was looking at across the night there. Everything was great, and I know I spoke... To, to Adina yesterday um, and it's great you know people heeded the, the warnings from Met Air and, and from the Gardaí and uh, we had no serious accidents or anything on the road which is great and we'll hopefully like the rain is going to continue through the day so we just again ask people to drive safely maintain a good distance between the vehicle in front of you and reduce speed is the big thing Brian you know in this weather you just reduce down your speed even half your speed in this weather conditions and you'll get to your destination safe and that's at the end of the day that's our name of the game is to keep everyone safe and you know not have anyone hurt on the roads Well Roads Policing Inspector Paul Dunhoo thank you very much for your time enjoy all of the festivities that are going on over the weekend both Saturday and Sunday uh, causing some road closures around Kilkenny but probably well worth it KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style see fairgreen.ie Thanks as always, Ashton. I can't believe the week has ended already. It's amazing. When it's going, it's going quick. But when you sit here on a Friday and look back at it, you celebrated your birthday earlier on the week and that feels like it was about a month ago. Oh, it feels like that was a year ago. Which means oh. it'll be my birthday already again, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, it goes very fast. Plans for the weekend? Are you actually doing birthday celebrations now that we've reached the weekend? No, I did that last weekend. Um, oh. So I had my yeah. friends over last weekend. Well, I was I made sure to get in when the weather, weather was nice. Um, I had a feeling the weather was So you're turn. not one of those girls that would knock like a month out of their birthday? No, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> it's, well, I, I, it's, it's refreshing to hear you say that because I know people um, who've managed to knock three or four weekends out of one birthday. Yeah. Some people are very talented like at that. They're like the, the queen or the king or whatever. They, they you know, manage to you know get a few days. Do you know who's very good, I would imagine, at stuff like that? And probably not fair to say it because she hasn't got access to a microphone to defend herself. Our very own Shannon Redmond. Uh, yeah, she she could yes. definitely knock a month out of a birthday party. Her birthday that girl. is coming up, I think. Oh, it's is in, it? I think it's in September. She's going to kill me now for not remembering the is date. Is she, she nodding at you through the window there? Yeah, she is. <laughs> she is. Shannon, is your birthday in September? Yeah, I think yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah, it's sorry. definitely in September. Well, there you go. So it's already the month of Shannon's birthday and she hasn't even started to talk. So maybe I'm doing her a bit of an injustice. Um, we wait and see. Yeah. But anyway, happy birthday once more. <laughs> I hope you, you have a great weekend. You too. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Now, as always, on a Friday, uh, just after 11 o'clock, we touch base with Alan O'Reilly Riley from Carlow Weather to see what the weather has in store for us for the days ahead. Good morning, Brian. Alan O'Reilly from Carlow Weather here on a very wet morning. More heavy rain will continue to fall during today, right through until this evening and even into tonight. Some localised flooding is possible. 
The heaviest of the rain is likely in south of the counties Carlow and Kilkenny. We have an orange warning in Waterford, but really South Kilkenny could see those very high rainfall totals as well. The good news is tomorrow will be a better day. Still a chance of some light showers, but much better day in general with some bright spells. So Saturday, the better day. Unfortunately, more rain coming through for Sunday, and it will be heavy again with some very heavy and possibly even thundery downpours. The winds will generally be light, but very heavy rainfall again on Sunday, so there's a risk of more localised flooding again. Temperatures not too cold, 16 to 17 degrees, so uh, maybe that's probably the only good news really for uh, for Sunday. Next week then, it's still looking very unsettled, but there's a lot of uncertainty around the weather models and these low systems that are likely to come across the Atlantic and head towards us. We do look likely to see some more rain, especially on Tuesday. We should escape the worst of it in Carnival Kenny, and for those heading to the Plown, we should escape the worst of it as well. Risk of more rainfall and possibly some strong winds as well through the week, but really hard at this stage to pinpoint where exactly we'll see the heaviest rain and the strongest winds. So staying unsettled, but I'm sure we'll all have our wellies ready for uh, for leash for the ploughing and hopefully we will get some good sunny spells in between the showers Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather giving us not just the forecast for the rest of today the weekend but also looking ahead to the ploughing championships next week we are there Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday the whole lot of us the whole crew are going myself now all the team from the KCL are live along with John Keane and Trishana Archer were broadcasting live from the Ploughing Championships. Um, stand 555 is where you'll find us. And we're there from bright and early in the morning, 10 o'clock right the way through until 6 o'clock in the evening. In a couple of moments' time, we'll be continuing our series looking at weddings because September is not just Shannon Redmond birthday month here on Casey Law. It's also showcasing all things wedding because the Casey Law Wedding Fair is happening on Thursday, the 28th of September, between 5 and 9 in the Medley Evil Mile Museum. Admission is free if you want to pop along um, and uh, take part. I think Shannon's actually saying to me, Shannon, are you telling me that that's actually your birthday? Oh, so it's, uh, yeah, yeah, she's turned the wedding showcase into her birthday. See, I told you Shannon was that type of girl. But we won't be talking about Shannon's birthday in the night because it will be all of the fabulous wedding suppliers that will be there. You can pop along and visit them all. And in a couple of moments' time, we'll hear from Etna, who was speaking to somebody who can bring a bit of intrigue to your wedding. Yes, Black Gambit joined our Etna Quirk earlier on and we'll be hearing from them in just a moment after this one from Pink. It's Trustful. That's Pink with Trustful. And yes, they've all jumped on the birthday bandwagon now because it's not just apparently Shannon Redmond who's celebrating her birthday on the 28th of September, which is the same day as the wedding fair. And incidentally, if I remember, also the same day as the Carlo Chamber of Business Awards and former president of that Carlo Chamber, um, Colin Duggan, is joining us as part of the Friday panel. But Shane O'Keefe has been on to say it's not just Shannon's, but it's his birthday as well. They're all having birthdays on the 28th. going to be a busy day that day for sure but going back to the wedding showcase if you're looking to add that little bit of mystery and intrigue to wow your wedding guests then look no further than a black gambit ahead of that wedding showcase Etna caught up with him to find out more (laughs) 
I'm joined by Black Gambit of Black Gambit XCM. Welcome to the programme. How are you doing, Edna? Good. Tell me a little bit about the name and the name of your company. So Black Gambit derives basically from the fact that I throw cards professionally quite fast. So I can actually cut stuff in half. And the name derived from the fact that Gambit was a character from X-Men. I thought I actually liked the name. And then I put black with it. And I like the colour black as well. So that's why I put Black Gambit, the name. Plus the fact it's more interesting, I think. It's very mysterious. Yeah, I I think so. I think it actually represents who I am as well um, as a performer. Okay, so you're going to be joining us at our wedding showcase evening. What do you offer to couples on their wedding day? So I have a variety of packages to, and each is tailored to mainly the amount of guests that people would like to have at their wedding. So if, let's say you have 100 guests, I have a smaller package just tailored for that. So it's normally around the amount of time I do. So the first package would be basically two hours. And then let's say you have 150 guests or 200 guests, I would recommend a bigger package mainly because the time covers me to get a chance to, for everyone to see magic basically in that time so let's say the first package is just reception the second package would go from reception to entertaining at the table so when people are sitting down and there's food being served i would do magic between the tables while they're waiting for their food and then afterwards say there's a bigger package again where people can have magic say after the the food has been served it's like after dinner kind of thing and there's a kind of a lull point there between the band and the and the finish of the food that's another area where people like to fill with entertainment of some sort so I kind of I have it tailored to all parts of the wedding basically for where people would feel they want something to fill the time Where did the interest in magic originate from? I would say that my my motto is that you don't get into magic magic gets into you I don't think it's something that you decide to get into I just think it's something that you just are into just just wants to do it and that's that's kind of it really Always been into magic then? Um, I wouldn't say always. I find it intriguing, to say the least, um, entertaining people. You feel fulfilled from entertaining people for that few minutes and they've just been amazed. Like they're feeling like they're a kid again, basically. They're letting go of themselves and they're actually just able to enjoy something that they don't particularly understand. And I kind of enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah, there's something very special about being entertained and wondering how the tricks come together and all of the the different elements, I suppose, behind it all. Yeah, there's a curi- there's a curiosity to it. The intrigue. Curious. Yeah, the intrigue. Yeah, and it, it, it also creates. It's, a, it's actually a language in itself. I mean, you could go to another country in the world, and someone may speak a different language, but if you did magic to them, you are communicating. But they're still loving what you're doing and you're speaking through what you're doing. So it, it opens up a whole new language as such between two people that don't particularly speak the same language. The medium becomes the message. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And obviously you can do something that's very personal to them as well. So it's not just, you know, a basic character. It could be something where you're remembering someone from their past. You're using, obviously, magic to... to uh, bring that moment or special moment to them. I have never been to a wedding where I've seen a magician perform. Is this something that couples are availing of? Yeah, it's quite popular at the moment because I suppose people see it as different. I also think it's not just because I'm being biased, but it's actually, I think it's perfect entertainment for couples because at reception you have, that's where I highly recommend people have magic, where the couples are off doing their, getting their photos and taking them and the rest that moment there where people are at the reception that's where they're kind of 
just settling into the place and everyone's kind of, if people don't know each other they're quite shy so you have someone going around doing magic it creates interaction people start talking amongst each other and then it gets a buzz in the room it's the, I think it's the perfect icebreaker to be perfectly honest about because of that no other entertainment does that you know magic kind of forces you to to get involved in a sense whereas other forms are not as such you can watch without having to be involved For couples who are attending our wedding evening what can they expect from you on the night? I'll always do a, a couple of tricks I always vary it up I don't just do card tricks I like to vary it up for people because a lot of cards can become very boring and so you have to try and vary for people so they're not just seeing the same thing all the time I do have a signature routine, but I don't perform the signature routines for the, uh, for the wedding couple. So I like to hold that off for the actual wedding. But I give them a little taster of it on the day as well, just so they know what to kind of, they get a little bit of a teaser of what's going to come if they do obviously want to uh, book me for their, for their wedding. So, so there's even a sense yeah. of mystery and intrigue around that. I love it. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's, uh, that's what it's all about. Playing your cards close to your chest. Yeah. <laughs> okay, if people want to find out some more information about you, where can they find you? So my Instagram handle is blackgambitxcm and the XCM actually stands for Extreme Card Manipulation. So that's basically what I'm known for, is manipulating playing cards. And it's a whole different art form itself. Um, and so Close of Magic is just kind of derived from that. So Black Gambit XCM and that's my website handle as well and Facebook. Anything that you would recommend, any kind of key questions I suppose that couples should bear in mind when they're thinking of booking entertainment for their wedding day? I'd say first of all book as soon as they can because the book up well in advance. If you want something really badly for your wedding and you're kind of worried well you might get them, you mightn't get them, I'd say book the entertainment as soon as possible. I mean some people will be late that's okay too but you are taking a bigger risk. I would say choose the package that's suits the amount of guests you have and I would say the other thing is as well don't always pick entertainment on reviews people should pick on maybe personality as well someone that they actually like someone they think will get on well with their guests someone who will interact if that person will actually suit the people they have at their wedding um, if you know what I mean they're kind of the few things I'd recommend Well Black Gambit thank you so much for your time this morning I'm certainly intrigued and looking forward to meeting you at our wedding showcase at the Medieval Mile on Thursday the 28th Great I look forward to it Yeah, if you want a man at your wedding to intrigue, entertain and he can flick cards as well he can cut things up with cards so maybe if you've got a a, a bit of a potato you need chopped in half Black Gambit is your man he's going to be at the wedding showcase on the 28th of September in the Medieval Mile along with all the other exhibitors and don't forget it's free for you to go along and attend all you've got to do is visit KCLR's social media platforms or website register there and not only is it free but if you do pop along there's a 1000 euro holiday voucher up for grabs for all of those who are in attendance two people who are in attendance in studio with me for this week's Friday panel KCLR's very own agricultural correspondent Mr Matt O'Keefe who I always enjoy having a chat to and former president of Carlo Chamber of Commerce and of course well known from the Wood for Dolman Hotel, Colin Duggan. They'll be joining us for the Friday panel after this short break. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state of the art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. 
Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. You're welcome back to KCLR. It's just gone 25 past 11 on a Friday morning. That, of course, means it's time to do this. The Friday panel on KCLR Live. With thanks to Paul Kelly Hogan Lanigan, Kilkenny's leading law firm. See a full list of our services at pkhl.ie. Joining me for this week's Friday panel, of course, well known to regular KCLR listeners, our agricultural correspondent and more besides, Matt O'Keefe, you're very welcome along, and former president of Carlo Chamber of Commerce and, of course, the general manager of the Woodford Dolman Hotel, Colin Duggan, joins us. Gino Jetman, you're both very welcome and thanks for coming out on this wet and rainy morning. Colin wouldn't, of course, be used to being outside in weather like that, but Matt doesn't phase you. Well, I'm delighted to be inside in weather like this, so any excuse. So when I heard it was going to pour rain and I got the offer to come in to a nice, sheltered, warm studio, I said, yeah, I'll take that. Probably That'll do for me. Um, similarly for you, Colin, probably the reverse is true. The only time you get out in the rain is probably when there's a golf ball to be hit. Well, you, 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 I'm a fair weather golfer, let's be, let's be clear on that. But for us... When it's raining, we get busier in the hotel because people just pull into our car park and they'll linger a little longer. Oh. So there is a benefit to rain even in the hospitality industry. So we've already got a dispute going on. Matt, <laughs> hate, Matt he hates to see the rain and Colin loves it. Actually, talking about dispute, Matt, um, Marion Dalton was on to me again this morning, obviously, uh, chair. I'm going to see if I can get this right off the top of my head and, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Chair of the IFA Cheap chair for Kilkenny, correct? Carlo. Carlo! Oh, that's <laughs> enough. Nearly got there, close <laughs> enough. Almost got there, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I know, I know Marion, great, uh, great, great person, personality and a good, a good farmer, but I... I um I, I wouldn't like to be uh, down there in Limerick now. I mean, no matter wh- how many umbrellas or overcoats you have on you, standing outside a hotel picketing, uh, not a not not a very pleasant experience this morning. Well, we were talking to Marion last week, and Marion and I have already made a deal ahead of the ploughing championships next week. She's going to bring me up to the IFA tent and and show me around and teach me a few bits and pieces, and I'm going to bring her over to the bandstand and, and do a bit of jiving with her. So we've already got a deal. But Marion is along with many other farmers down at the Finnegal, I think in Limerick. Um, and she said to me this morning, farmers very angry at decisions made by the government in regards to the farmers' livelihood. We talked a lot about the nitrates derogation situation earlier on the week. We haven't really talked a huge amount about the delay in payments. Matt, give us a bit of an insight in your view onto this delay on the government payments. Yes, as, 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 as Colin said off air, it's, it's custom and practice. The, the, the payments that come from Brussels to offset... Uh, um, under under underselling obviously of, of, of food you know that it's it's priced below the cost of production in many instances and it's to make up for that and it's to uh, provide supports for farmers to engage in environmentally friendly practices and and and, and a range of other uh, a range of other stipulations but it's been custom and practice for many years now that there would be a forward payment a substantial amount of what uh, farmers would receive from uh, EU payments would come uh, at this time uh, now the minister and I spoke to him last week at the ASA conference and he insists that he forewarned farmers last March that there would be a delay because it's a whole new system of payments uh, and regulations that have to be uh, box ticked if you like by the Department of Agriculture and a new system being set up on their uh, computers and that there would be a delay but uh, most farmers think you know they've had all summer to fix this uh, it, it should be done by now you know get the finger out and get the payments out I mean that amount of, if you're able to give somebody that much forewarning of a problem 
as you said, Surely Matt, you should have it solved <laughs> by then. By the time the thing comes around. And, and it has all kinds of implications for farmers because uh, if you're used to a payment coming in, like your wage or your salary every month, if it's a week late, then that creates mm. huge difficulties for bills, uh, one thing and another. And, and cash flow is tight, very tight on a lot of farms this year because uh, the, the value of grain, the value of milk, uh, the value of beef and sheep has, has reduced substantially. So there's a, a more of reliance than usual on those payments and Colin somebody who's very well used to running a business um, a situation like this where there's the pra- custom and practice as, as both yourself and Matt have said of a payment coming in in and around a particular date it can cause huge knock-on effects for businesses, can't it? It's crucial uh, because when you think about it, uh, this, you, you have a, a cash flow issue in, in a lot of uh, farms now where they count on that, on that money to get ready for the next season. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that the government will come to some sort of uh, arrangement with them, but it could be too late at that point. You know, we, we might be talking about October at this stage uh, to get that payment, and that's, uh, that, that, that's probably one month too late. Yeah. I mean, uh, somebody once said to me, Matt, that lack of profitability is like cancer. It will kill you in the long term. Lack of cash flow is like being involved in a car accident. It can kill you overnight. I mean, how fearful are farmers in terms of, you know, the delay in this payment and what those knock-on effects will be for them? There's significant worry. Uh, there really is because a lot of people would have built in, say, their loan repayment structures into, I'll have that lump of money on X date and I'll make that payment and then they have to go and explain that to the bank and uh, even for, for for day-to-day expenditures, you know, around around farm inputs and that, there can be there can be implications if, if money is delayed. If there's a reliance on a specific payment, it's, it's not the same as selling a ton of grain and you get whatever you get and the market may go up or down. This is a dependable source of income and yep. if it doesn't arrive in time and is significantly delayed, then obviously, as, as, as you say, it has, it has significant implications. So, yeah, a lot of worry and a lot of disappointment and a lot of anger, I'd say, and that's being manifested now down in, in Limerick and previously over in Horse and Jockey. And I think those two government parties are being targeted as the main government parties alongside the Green Party, obviously, but they're, they're the ones that they're, um, they're honing in on because they would have a bigger reliance on the farming vote ultimately too and obviously minds are beginning to be concentrated now but there's going to be an election at the latest uh, March 25 and quite Possibly likely, early October quite 24, likely yeah. earlier than that and as some British politicians uh, a politician once said events nearby you could have an election at any stage if, if some banana gets slipped <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this could also have a knock on effect for other businesses Colin I mean because as you said it, the, those payments would normally be coming into farmers they'll be paying their bills and they might be saying listen we have a couple of extra pounds in the bank we'll go out and we'll have our dinner out in the hotel this weekend you know we might do it that often but we'll do it this weekend if they haven't got it they can't spend it yeah, totally. Yeah, the the knock-on effect would be felt throughout Ireland, especially rural Ireland, uh, where you have a, a limited budget uh, for for farmers, especially this time of year. This is the time where they're getting ready for the next year, and uh, to to have that deficit in in their uh, in in their bank accounts, it it, it just won't won't work. And uh, I think our, far- our our government needs to actually uh, be cognizant of the issues that they that they, they brought to light today. And just finally on this one, Matt, you know the the minister said, "Well, I told you all last March it was going to happen." Has he come out and told you when it will happen? 
No, there hasn't been a definitive uh, decision as to when. I, I would but that's, expect that's, that. I don't think that's right because in terms of whatever about saying to somebody, you know, and as business people, you experience challenges like this occasionally. Listen, the payment was due to come in. It hasn't come in yet. It'll be here by Friday, so I'll pay you on Saturday. That's a very different phone call to have to make to a supplier other than, well, listen, I haven't got it yet. I don't know when it's coming. I'll let you know when I have it. Yeah, I'd say the minister's in a difficult position because he's relying on other people to put the to put the structure in place, and obviously the structure isn't completely in place. So, but then that's the minister's job, you know, yeah. to kick ass and get the job done. And as you say, he knew this last March, so do a bit of extra kicking back then to to promote the urgency of, and and, and it should have been resolved. I think it gives farmers a reason to be even more critical of government. And the government didn't need to go there. Yeah. yeah. I think when it comes to policy stuff, Colin, there's all two sides to any debate around the policy. But, I mean, if somebody's due to be paid for something, they should be paid. Well, absolutely. And, and the one thing we should remember is we made very, very quick decisions during COVID. There's that, that, that policy should be continued in government. And, and, and this choking of one industry, uh, of, of uh, the, the vital resource of money, which will actually p- has a knock-on effect, uh, a trickle-down effect to a lot of businesses, needs, needs to be considered. I do think our government, going forward, needs to look at quicker decisions again. Mm. And not to hold back, to actually move on and make those decisions quickly. And, and we did, they made some very good decisions quickly during COVID. And I think we would all agree that they, a, lot, a lot of things done in a very short period of time. And that's the pace we need to see our government move in. Yeah, maybe the topic will continue that topic of conversation in terms of the ability to make decisions quickly, what mm. we may have learned from COVID and what we already seem to have forgotten mm. at times. It's the Friday panel here. Um, joining me today, of course, Colin Duggan, former president of the Carlow Chamber and indeed uh, general manager of the Woodford Dormont Hotel and Matt O'Keefe of Casey Law's very own family. Show. We'll be back with you in just one moment. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Yes, it's Friday. Just before 12, it means it's the Friday panel. The Friday panel on KCL or Live. With thanks to Paul Colley Hogan Lanigan, Kilkenny's leading law firm. See a full list of our services at khl.ie. And don't forget, if you want to get involved in the conversation that I'm having with our very own Matt O'Keefe and Colin Duggan, don't be afraid. I'm sure the guys would be interested uh, to have your opinions to the debate further. 083 306 9696 is our dinner's ready text and WhatsApp line. And if, sure, if you wanted to fuss and come on air and tear strips off Matt O'Keefe, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> he says, Matt's shaking his head here in the background. 1800. You can call us on our free phone number at the station, of course. At any point in time, it is 1 800. Uh, 90, 96, 96. We were just talking before the ad break there, Colin, um, about how quickly the government made decisions during the COVID times, and yet they seem to have reverted to type slowly, slowly, slowly. Why? Um, I can only think that they, they've gone back to type. You know, uh, the safety of getting the civil service to safely step out every little line of, of change. And I, I, I do get that takes time, but we can move much faster. We, 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 we don't have to uh, look at this situation where to make any, any serious change, like the change we're just talking about there with regard to the financial plan of, 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 of the farming community. That, that's an easy fix. 
and we all, we, we all agree at this table that that's an easy fix yet it's not being done mm. you know it, 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 there's no reasoning uh, to it um, and I do believe that our government has gone back to type and they, they, they've gone back to this slowly slowly working out each uh, each decision where some decisions can be made quite quickly. Matt, they made decisions very, very quickly, in fairness, during COVID, whether we agreed with them or not, but they were doing it, obviously, to save people's lives. Now, if you can't make decisions to save somebody's life, you shouldn't be there at all. Do you think now that we're talking about a potential, obviously, local and European elections definitely happening um, in the mid part of next year, governmental elections, possibly October? certainly not that far away have they now got the point where they're like oh let's not rock the boat let's try and you know just kick these decisions down the road is that maybe why things are going back to the type it could be and if it is it's it, it's it's it counter i counter it by suggesting that you should throw caution to the winds mm. you know if there yeah, are a point. number of emergencies in the country housing is one and the government has brought in all kinds of different ideas and strategies but they haven't the traction of, of building momentum. You know, they're talking about 30,000 houses and they reach that this year, but they need to go to 40 and they need to do it in a hurry. The planning system is quite obviously in need of reform. Everybody should be entitled to object, but this serial objection and when it goes through on board Planala and goes through appeals, it, it should then be delivered on. Yes, you can build your houses. Yeah. Instead of that, you've got delay piled upon delay. That's not indicative of a government that's really treating it as a crisis. You've got the same issue with immigration. We've with what 100,000 um, 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 Ukrainians in the country now and they have to be looked after we have a responsibility as human beings as much as Europeans yeah. uh, and, and, and as part of EU policy but are we doing enough putting them in tent up at electric picnic for six weeks? Everybody knows six weeks. That'll meander on into the I, middle I, I of winter. Was, I have to say, and that's not acceptable. I was shocked when I heard that now, to be quite honest with you. Um, first of all, it, it screamed of being something that was a bit last minute because we heard of local residents only being told on the Friday mm. that it was happening after the festival finished on the Monday. It's not right to do it at any time of year, but when they're resorting to putting people into tents... Um, as we come in, to look, should you look the weather we've got this weekend? I mean, it's it just another example of not being able to plan properly. I mean, there's a huge amount of people accommodated from Ukraine, both Carlo and Kilkenny. How have they been received in the Carlo area, Colin? They've been received very well in Carlo, um, and there, there's some very good um, outlets and some very bad outlets in Carlo, uh, I have to say, you know, that, that they have been criticised in, in how they've been treated. Uh, but the, the the problem again, uh, as as Matt mentioned, is, is the planning process. We should move faster to create the uh, a, a, a centres for uh, uh, to receive the uh, the Ukrainians or foreign nationals, and that uh, as a country we're that we're, we're we're supposed to do that. Putting people in in in, in tents as a short term remedy, which will only find trouble in the future, mm. without doubt. Yeah. Um, we, we made a, had a commitment to to to, to actually disband all these uh, uh, refugee centres, uh, which obviously we now have to to, to step back into yeah. building even more. But we need to get to through a planning process, which is too it's too laborious. Um, the CPO process should be used um, just outside uh, uh, Newbridge is a great example where Tommy Toker had built I, I grant without planning permission <laughs> um, a, a hotel with 300 bedrooms that's an obvious one mm. take it and run we have a 
uh, the mental health hospitals which are mostly closed down throughout Ireland. And I think most and people again, agree right, rightly so in terms of yeah, what was going on in some yeah, of those, those hospitals. Those opportunities are there. Yeah. You know, just not being grasped. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Colin just mentioned compulsory purchase orders. There's been some concern in the farming community around what compulsory purchase orders could do. I saw an independent uh, newspaper's report uh, of a Kilkenny farmer concerned about um, how some of his land could be forced under a CPO to be released because there's access to planning for houses on the land but they yeah, don't want to develop a, it yet. A, there's a zoning tax uh, that's been implemented and several Kilkenny farmers only within a stone's throw of here have been impacted. They're actually actively farming the land. Uh, they have no interest in the speculative development of, of, of it being developed. And in some ways they're caught betwixt and between because the farming that they're doing won't won't pay the tax. The tax is quite onerous. It's 3% of the value. But the value is not agricultural land. The value is development value. But I think people so would probably listen, price. Matt. I mean, I'm going to challenge you a little bit on that. They'd say, but that's just the farmers who have had this land rezoned waiting until the value of the land has gone through the roof and they can load the cash under the bed with all the other money I, I, I think the value of, um, of development land has already gone through the roof. So I don't. So why don't the farmers cash in I, on I it I don't then? think it's that, because I, I, I think they, they don't necessarily want to lose the land. There's a tradition of farming, that's what they're doing. I think there has to be, and, and I'm not suggesting that that land that should be zoned and built on within city perimeters, for instance, in Kilkenny, that that shouldn't happen. But I, I think there seems that there, there needs to be some kind of a, a an agreement that, that where it's being actively farmed, where it's not in imminent demand for development. Where, where that is the case, yes, you, you, you can argue that in, in fairness, but where that's not the case, where you just have to deliver it up on the basis that uh, it, it comes within that map, then I think there has to be some kind of, of compromise. Mm. Is it a case then that maybe one rule doesn't suit all? Because as, as Matt is pointing out, there may be a person with land that is way out in, in the rural extremities of the country and there's no need to putting a housing estate out there. There's no ex- extra services. But maybe somebody who has got agricultural land on the boundaries of Carlow Town, on the outskirts of Kilkenny City, maybe those type of things should apply in those circumstances. Well, they, they, they should fit into the county plan or the town plan regardless of that. But if they're in the land bank that is uh, strategic to the town itself, I, 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 I think they, they should be then part of uh, the EPO process, mm. you know, if, they, if they're not going to uh, push ahead uh, with development. And some of them are just waiting for uh, the developer to come to buy the land. Yeah. You know, but strategically, if, there's, uh, if, if, if it's a land bank within the, uh, the environs of, of, of our towns and cities, I, I, I think we should look hard as uh, at the as CPO process, but even looking to within our town centres, we've got plenty of derelict, derelict buildings which would resolve our our housing crisis in one one fell swoop. If we again look at the CPO process, just to to, to take back all those uh, those shops that are not being used and 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 that you convert them for housing, mm. it would reinvigorate the the town centres and also bring in new life new businesses which will be revolved around those uh, those people now living in the town centres. I mean there's a good example of that recently in um, Carlow I think it's a, a famous building on the potato market area where that's been derelict for quite a number of years following falling eventually and gradually into ruin that was recently purchased and is now going to be developed but I still think it's going to take two to three years before that's actually completed again that site has been derelict 
for years, from my understanding. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's just just opposite uh, the uh, the Bank of Ireland, mm. and that was a key, a, a, a very key. Uh, it's the it's a gateway to Carlo. You're sitting on the traffic lights. This this huge derelict building is beside you, you know. But again, we need we need to support uh, that that kind of development and 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 let it move on uh, through the planning process. We can't keep waiting uh, for uh, the the planning process, which could take up to a year, depending on, on more. I think on, people on, would on, say on at times as well. Yeah, it's certainly. Uh, it's. It, I don't think it's a rural issue. I don't think it's a town centre or a city centre issue. I think it's a national issue well, in terms of sorting it. And and maybe, maybe there's going to be certainly some challenges. I think to our existing government's policies over the next twelve to sixteen to eighteen months, um, as people really start to question these policies. But moving on to uh, the shorter term future, Matt, the ploughing championships yeah. next week. Uh, Rathaniska, um, Tuesday, it's, Wednesday, Thursday. It's my working holiday, as it is for thousands of farmers and non-farmers. The fact is, I oh, absolutely love it. I mean, 300,000 people turned up, or thereabouts, last year. An awful lot of them obviously weren't farmers, because there aren't that well, many. Well, I was there. That's yes, one person, there, at least. There, there aren't that many farmers. Now, I would suggest that you'll need to be really well togged out in, in expectation of damp weather. But that shouldn't, um, that shouldn't hinder people, because there's lots of these steel trackways for moving around and that on it. But just come prepared and bring your wellies and your, your raincoat if you want to. But it's really a brilliant spectacle, and it's probably if not the best venue, one of the best venues that I've ever seen. I've been going to the ploughing for many years now in terms of access and, 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 and exiting. Uh, that There's a number of large road structures right around the site, so it's, it's relatively seamless in terms of getting people in and getting people out. So it's, it's a perfect venue. I think the plough people love it because the soil is good and yeah. amenable to being turned over and uh, this rain actually will help them if, if we can get a little bit technical in that regard because very very dry weather means ground is very very hard hard to get the plow down how to keep it uh, hard to keep it down but when it's a little bit softer a little bit more moist uh, it makes for perfect plowing so at all points to a, a, a great week ahead yeah absolutely and Matt when you go to the plowing championships obviously you've got a lot of business to be aware of and to do and you know popping into uh, the lights. Not at all. Do you I know you're just going right? I hardly get any I hardly get any work done. It's talking <laughs> to people. I meet people that I've known for years from my mockery days up from Donegal, from Cork. It's actually hard to make progress. Because, <laughs> yeah. you, I mean, if you chat to someone, that's five minutes gone and if you add ten of them, then, you know, the day, the day is soon gone. I know there is work to be done and I have to look at uh, the Enterprise uh, Pavilion, for instance, where new, new technologies are being introduced and prizes being given out. But, um, a lot of it a lot of it for me is about socialising to yeah. be perfectly honest just love meeting people that I haven't met in, in Yonks yeah looking forward to it myself I said the first year last year as well and uh, looking forward to going back again this year I hear you're going dancing yeah uh, yeah yeah yeah. myself and uh, Marion Dalton we're going to go and do a little bit of dancing when I finish produce, presenting the radio show we'll have to talk to you we'll be talking she's to you she's of an lot. age now of, of person who can jive what do you suggest I, I, I can jive as well oh, Matt. of course you can I don't call you a certain um, <laughs> nickname for no good Reason, and of course, you're steeped in dancing. But an awful lot of younger people, I would suggest, and uh, I'll be at a wedding tomorrow, and an awful lot of the younger people 
find it difficult to waltz or jive I know I think Colin Duggan would argue with that because there's some great dances take place up in the the Woodford Dolman Hotel and Friday nights Saturday nights Derek Ryan is going to be talking to us next week Derek is off and up in the hotel Um, it's a a huge social outlet still yeah and I do think that younger element is is, uh, especially jiving that's really starting to grow yeah Yeah. there you go stand corrected Matt O'Keefe absolutely (laughs) well it is the Friday panel I'm joined by Colin Duggan um, former president of the Carlo Chamber of Commerce and of course General Manager of the Woodford Dolman Hotel and I'll just call him our very own Matt O'Keefe we're going to take a short break after that we'll move to talking from agriculture into business because the Carlisle Business Awards are also uh, not that far away KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops food outlets and a state of the art IMC cinema see fairgreen.ie Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. You're welcome back. It's the Friday panel here on KCLR. The Friday panel on KCLR Live. With thanks to Paul Kelly Hogan Lanigan, Kilkenny's leading law firm. See a full list of our services at pkhl.ie. During that last break, myself and Colin Duggan have just been educating Matt O'Keefe on, on how uh, jiving is now growing and growing and growing within the youth community. Shocked he was when Colin Duggan explained that there's many people going to jive in class and joy and dances as there are going to discos particularly north of Mullingar but it's growing down here in the southeast as well um, Colin apart from obviously your role at uh, the Woodford Dolman Hotel you've just recently um, passed on the mantle in terms of your presidency of the Carlo Chamber did you enjoy your time as president? I thought it was a fantastic experience even though it was, it was a very uh, very trying time uh, it, I had three years which included those Covid years but I, I, I enjoyed it so much I got to know so much about how how uh, how business works in in Carlo, how government works in Carlo, um, and also how we need to actually make sure the voice of Carlo I- I- is out there, and to make sure that that we we look after uh, the future development of uh, of, of Carlo and and Kilkenny because mm. um, we both grow together. Um, but I, I did I, I really enjoyed that experience and of course um, new president now taking the helm first time as a female president no no it's it, I think it's at least the fourth is it it's okay apologies yeah. um, how is she getting on Rowena is, Rowena Dooley uh, took over in June and it, it, it's like she, she is, she's so used to it now at this point uh, you know she, she, she would has really done a fantastic job to this point um, and I'm sure <laughs> to the future as well. Um, the awards themselves coming up on the 28th. Mm-hmm. Um, you must be well into the judging process, or the judging process is probably almost completed at this stage. Yeah, we, we actually started the whole process back in 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 January, considering the reboot uh, of uh, the the awards themselves, looking at the root and branch, and we're just trying to develop it and push it on. We actually had two two hundred twenty businesses apply. Mm. We interviewed in presentations uh, one hundred and twenty last week over two days, and <laughs> um, we had four different rooms. And it was I, I came out of one of the rooms uh, uh, that I was judging in, and I saw this fantastic atmosphere: business people meeting other business people, and each trading stories. I thought it was a fantastic uh, uh, event, and it's, uh, 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 as a networking event alone. Yeah, but it, to hear the stories, to hear how uh, businesses out Carlow uh, County are developing and how they're actually moving on and how how their plans for the future are so positive 
it, it sounds like Carlo itself has, has a really bright future. And we've had, you know, very big business stories coming out of Carlo over the last number of months. For example, Newark going into the former bronze site there, well up and running now at this stage, bringing a huge amount of employment in a very sustainable industry that's also tackling one of the major problems we were just talking about, housing. Matt, that seems like a very sensible, innovative approach to something. We've got a business that's going to supply world-class products that we need in this country and they're going into an area and a building that's been empty for a number of years now. It, it, that's the shining light that we need to follow, really, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's your classic uh, no-brainer, if you like. Yeah. But, uh, the, the, the comment about uh, putting women in leading roles brings me to the back page of the independent there, Vera mm. Pau getting her marching orders. She brought her team to the World Cup. Mm. finals um, Stephen Kenny is not likely to bring anyone anywhere anytime soon <laughs> but he's had another reprieve anyway he'll be there till the end of the year so our, our, uh, it, it's, it's certainly suggestible that people are being treated differently on the basis of their sex now I, well, I hesitate to I, suggest that but it looks that way well I, I saw a piece yesterday evening the current uh, CEO of the FAO came out defending his decision said it mm. was absolutely um, nothing to do with Vera's um, a, it was more to do with her approach than her aims I think is probably the best mm. way to far, paraphrase what was a, a five minute monologue uh, I, I'm that. not sure. I'm not sure that the board should have any real role in deciding on her strategies. Well, that was if the it, question. If it ultimately gets the team to where we want it to be, that was mm. the question that I thought. Oh, he stepped over the mark there because the journalist very cleverly almost backed him into a corner and said, "Then are you saying that a future coach must do things your way in order to get the job done?" And his response was yes. Colin, you manage a lot of people, obviously, in the hotel. Is it important just to employ talented people and let them get on with it? Yeah, I, I think everyone needs to actually, when you employ someone to do a, do a specific job, you have to trust that they actually have uh, the, 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 the pieces of, of talent to actually bring it through. Mm. Yes, they can be guided by, by, uh, by the board, but ultimately there must be trust. And I think that's where the, the breakdown here is. It's more the breakdown in trust going forward yeah yeah um also i do i do think there was kind of uh issues with the with with the team and and the manager as well and there's probably feedback from that as well that 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 that, that uh, the board yeah they've been very about how they handled that yeah. because they saw I, I think probably what went on was they had a little chat behind the closed court and somewhere and said listen she's going don't worry about it you'd be grand um but nevertheless vera Pell, despite the fact it was described i thought what i thought was was fascinating was she was described as doing something that was historic within the world of sport and lifted the nation and she was turfed out the door a few weeks later hmm. Ah, yeah, there's a certain element of, 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 of hypocrisy there, I think, too, you know, mm. that, that, that you want things done and when people do it, they don't like the way you did it. So yeah. that, then you get sacked <laughs> for that. I mean, if we were to adopt the same attitude with Farrell uh, managing Ireland uh, in, in tomorrow night's Rugby World Cup, you know, mm. yeah. we, we, we'd never succeed yeah. at anything. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to the rugby. I'm enjoying it, I have to say, and I've particularly enjoyed our chats today on the Friday panel. Thank you very much to our two panellists this Friday. Uh, Colin Duggan, former uh, president of the Carlow Chamber of Commerce and indeed um, managing director, uh, whatever title he wants to give himself as the boss <laughs> up in the Woodford Dolman Hotel and the man of many talents but very few few titles we'll just call him Mr Matt O'Keefe from KCLR's very own farm show <laughs> Matt, your face is at me in the background here, Matt, looking forward to seeing it plowing last next week, uh, everybody else enjoy your weekend, stay safe and I'll be back with you at 10 o'clock on Monday morning John Keane is on the way after 12 KCLR